0: Thank you for joining us for episode 29 of Head Start, a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. So we're really excited uh, to look at this passage of Scripture. Uh, But before we do that, uh, we need to talk about something that's coming up very quickly. Christmas is really close. Uh, So let's think about, uh, as I'm talking to the fellows around the table, your, what is your earliest Christmas memory or memory of Christmas? And I'll, I'll start, okay? Uh, obviously, for me, uh, one of the earliest memories that I have of Christmas was, and, it's, and it connects directly with a particular Christmas gift that I received. Uh, and it was, um, I don't have any, I don't know how old I was. I was a kid, uh, but I can remember coming in and seeing this Christmas gift laid out, and it was a slot uh, electric racer, yeah, the little slot cars, and mm-hmm.
1: I with can a trigger control. Yes, with yeah, a trigger yeah, control, yeah, one.
0: I can remember hours upon hours upon hours laying on the floor racing those little slot cars you know and they would spin off the off the track and go off into the living room and i had to go find them i can also remember uh because if you lick your finger and lick the track and put the you know the saliva on the track and then hold the car the the, the car would spin out it was super cool (laughs) that was yeah yeah That's awesome. (laughs) Nothing spiritual about that earliest memories, but uh, that's one of my earliest memories of Christmas. So what say you fellas?
1: Well, I'll go next. Uh, Mine does not have to do necessarily with a gift. I I can never remember, like, okay, the earliest uh, one that I remember. But my grandparents on my dad's side uh, lived in Roanoke, Virginia, and they had just a really beautiful house uh, that was tucked into the backside of a mountain. Uh, up there. And I'm from central Florida. And so the one thing that we never had uh, was a white Christmas. I mean, that just doesn't happen. You know, we'd get cold Christmases and it would be 65 degrees in the morning before it went up to 80 (laughs) in the afternoon. Hmm. And uh, one year we went up there, they had a really steep driveway uh, and we, um, you know, we'd park the cars up there. And sure enough, we came out either the day of or around Christmas just had terrific snowfall, and I mean, you know, multiple inches on the ground, and so for the first time in my life, uh, I got to sled uh, down the driveway, down the hill in the snow, and that was an exhilarating yeah, experience, it's cool. so
0: yeah. Yep. Steph.
2: I, I'm always terrible at these, uh, remember the earliest yep. kind of thing, um, so I don't, mine is kind of just a collection of different things, whether it's uh, so my granddad would always read uh the Christmas story uh, Luke 2 he would always read through that um so I, I remember that that's a cherished memory of mine eggnog um gross oh yeah no it's it's wonderful um so uh you know having that uh while we would decorate the tree we always got to open one present on Christmas Eve uh so I, I remember that and uh, so, just a collection of different different memories for sure.
3: Nate, good stuff. Yeah, I, uh, it's hard to narrow down just one memory, but probably starting at about age four, uh, and thereafter in Montgomery when Dad was pastoring there are my earliest memories um, that center around um, waking up on Christmas morning and and seeing the gifts that we uh, were there, as uh, we would say, left by Santa at that stage in my life, yep. and that was always really exciting uh, to be able to wake up and see what was under the tree. Um, my sister and I, uh, through those early years, we we normally camped out in one of our bedrooms together and and uh, stayed up longer than we were supposed to, and, and then would uh, get up real early on Christmas morning to see what was in front of the tree. So those are some of my earliest memories. Uh, one of my uh, earliest memories of a gift was uh, a cowboy outfit from the boots to the chaps, to the guns, to Here the vest, go. to the hat, and uh, and got pictures to, to back that up. That's and cool. and I guess in addition to that, uh, our family was always away from us in ministry, so we'd load up on Christmas afternoon and go to grandparents' house in Bibb County in Centerville, Eolan, and uh, that those are some cherished memories there, uh, just mm-hmm. being around family and playing football in the front yard, and a lot of people and a lot of food and yeah. a lot of laughter. So those are some of my earliest memories. That's cool. The uh,
1: pictures of you and the cowboy. Can yeah. you maybe get those. No, no, they,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, we need that. Seat. We need that. Uh,
3: yeah, and I do. Great. I do have a question yeah. for
0: clarity because uh, you said uh, the the hat, the the chaps, the boots. The guns. The, yeah, the vest. Was, yep. was it a cap gun? Oh, cap, cap gun, right, yes. little red. Roll-up roll red, red gun, paper yes. caps, yeah, Yes, and most of them would pop, but not all, all of them. That's true. Oh, man, what a blessing.
3: Left paper trail everywhere. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: and the smell of gunpowder. Yeah. Uh, it's in the air. That's good, quality awesome. stuff. So, well, as we think about, uh, as speaking to leaders, we think about the, the, the Sundays that are coming up, uh, December 24 and 31, just want to uh, speak into uh, just a reminder and for clarity uh, what those Sundays are looking like. And, and also want to equip you leaders to be able to speak again with clarity to the people in your group so that they're aware of what uh, those two Sundays look like. December 24 and 31 will both be uh, one hour services at 10 a.m. in both venues both Worship Center in, in East Venue, uh, one hour, both Sundays, the 24th and the 31st. We will provide kids programming uh, for birth through kindergarten, uh, so you can communicate that. Be sure that we communicate that with great clarity with our people, and not only, hey, that this is what's going on, but also with the extra little nudge of consider who you can invite. Uh, what an easy time to invite someone to come to to go to church with you uh, being uh, the Sundays around Christmas. Uh, So be sure to encourage your people and maybe even uh, lead out uh, as a leader in your group to say, hey, this is this is who I, wh- I'm planning to invite, uh, my neighbor or a coworker or someone, whoever that may be, but lead out and then encourage and urge your, your group uh, to be reaching out and inviting others to be a part of worship with us on those two Sundays, the, the 24th and the 31st. All right, so we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, uh, and Brother Tim will be guiding our conversation as we look at that
3: passage. All right, thank you, Matt, and uh, leaders, as you look into your material, Living Out Generosity from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're moving from uh, the Gospel of Matthew that we've been in and going to 2 Corinthians. In your curriculum, you may notice that it says we're going to study verses 6 through 16. And if you're studying, you're going to find it really hard to find verse 16 because it does not exist. Just know that it is verse 6 through 15, and that will be our focus. And as we move to another New Testament book, and uh, we go to Second Corinthians, which in in our uh, scripture we have First and Second Corinthians. We know that Paul uh, was inspired of the Lord to write this letter. Uh, but as you study, this is actually when you read First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, the fourth letter that Paul sent to this church um, that he founded. And some background reading about that beginning of this church is Acts chapter eighteen. Uh, but the four letters, uh, we get that from reading 1 Corinthians, and in chapter 5, uh, there is a previous letter that is mentioned, so it predates 1 Corinthians that we have in Scripture. Uh, and then there's our 1 Corinthians that we have, and then in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, there's a reference to a severe letter or a tear-filled letter, and then we have 2 Corinthians, so just awareness there. As we talk about First and Second Corinthians and study out of Second Corinthians. Uh, I love Second Corinthians, and there's a theme that that I think fits well as we focus on generosity, of strength and weakness, and and just let me narrate through that just a a second as as this letter uh, through Paul, inspired of the Lord, um, he he really turns upside down our natural expectations of the way life works, and. Um, uh, contrary to the way the world and our own human hearts would think or function naturally, uh, God takes uh, things that are low and despised and weak and accomplishes his good purpose. second uh, Corinthians tells us that comfort comes through affliction in second Corinthians 1 sufficiency through insufficiency in second Corinthians 3 and life through death in 2 Corinthians 4, blessing through suffering in 2 Corinthians 6, salvation through grief in 2 Corinthians 7, and then uh, getting into our context, abundance through poverty in 2 Corinthians 8, and uh, then Paul talks about boasting through hardship, and then chapter 12 is kind of the, the climax that presents that key principle that God's power is made perfect in His weakness in 2 Corinthians 9. uh, Weakness is not good in itself, yet it is God's chosen means of displaying His grace and His glory and His power, and so 2 Corinthians magnifies that a lot. Uh, I skipped over chapter 9, that is our context, but here we do see a principle of God's abounding grace to those who are generous givers. And so, um, we we lean into our value, again, of generosity, not greed. This time of the year, we, we remember the greatest gift of all came from our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus. And uh, our Father is a very generous God, and, and so we are leaning into the concept of as we grow in Christ's likeness, uh, and as we grow closer to the Lord, uh, naturally our hearts grow more generous, and, and hopefully our lifestyle becomes that generous lifestyle, And so, uh, we're going to continue talking about that generous way of life that we've taken two weeks in in, uh, December to speak about. And now we come to 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, and uh, they kind of go together in context as Paul is is writing, uh, instructing these believers to continue what they had begun, and taking up an offering that was a relief offering for God's people. Uh, A background here, uh, about a year before writing 2 Corinthians, the believers in Corinth had started collecting uh, money for uh, those who were poor, in Jerusalem specifically. And in the letter of 1 Corinthians, the believers were instructed to set aside money every week for the offering in 1 Corinthians 16. But, as happens sometimes, that collection had... uh, floundered, and it had become stagnant. They had not finished what they started, and there's a lot of reasons due to that, and so Paul now is writing to encourage and spur them on to finish what they had promised and what they had begun. So, but by describing how their own enthusiasm of starting this offering have had inspired uh, and incited that an enthusiasm and The Macedonian believers, now we just got finished with the study through Philippians, and we were reminded that these believers, really many, lived in poverty. They did not have material possessions to speak of. Uh, But Paul used the eagerness of the Corinthians' uh, desire to give toward this relief offering to spur them on, and then there's a twist here. Paul uses the generosity of the Macedonians to inspire the Corinthians now to finish what they had started. And so that's kind of background of what is going on with familiar words that we're going to jump into. Uh, they had become sidetracked and, uh, and distractions had had um, created the the offering to be on hold, and now Paul is spurring them on and said, hey, we we need to finish this offering, and the need is still there, and uh, you are generous in your heartbeat. And so I want to jump into uh, verse 6 is where we begin, and it is that very familiar verse that we see as a principle in Scripture when Paul says, but this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And uh, that verse 6 gives us a generosity principle, uh, the law of the harvest, and it's simply what you sow, you reap. Uh, The farmer who sows much seed will have a better chance for a bigger harvest. The investor who puts a large sum of money in the bank will certainly collect more dividends. And so, the principle is the more we invest in the work of the Lord, the more fruit will abound even to our account, and we leaned into that concept in Philippians chapter 4. But the point is really clear in, in this verse, the more one gives, the more God gives back in return. Uh, we need to be careful with that. This is not prosperity gospel. It's not a name-it-claim-it type of faith, but it is a biblical principle that, that the blessings of God do abound when the heart of believers is filled with generosity and we live that lifestyle open-handedly, uh, giving generously of time, talent, and treasure. Um, if we give sparingly, what we would call selfish giving, The principle is we're going to receive uh, sparingly, but if we give bountifully, we will reap bountifully. And so, if we store up uh, treasures on earth, uh, we're going to uh, have sparingly treasures in heaven, and the reverse is true, too, and we've we've hit that out of Matthew. Uh, In the spiritual realm, the principle is that giving to God results in blessing from God— uh, bountiful blessings, uh, generous givers will reap generous blessings from God, and Paul goes on to identify some of those in this passage. Um, living with open hands moves a loving God to bless you from His uh, bountiful supply. Kind of reminds us of Paul's words in Philippians four nineteen, and My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. Um, So, uh, the law of the harvest, the principle of generosity, you sow what you reap. Then we have verse 7, "...so let each one give as he purposes in his own heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver." Uh, The attitude there, God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, when you think about it, on, on one hand, attitude makes absolutely no difference to the farmer. If he sows good seed, he has good weather, he will reap a good harvest of whether he is working for profit, pleasure or pride. It makes no difference how he plans to use the money that he earns, the harvest will probably come if the conditions are right and the sowing has been bountiful, but not so for children of God. Our attitude and motive is very important to our Heavenly Father. And so, He calls us to be cheerful in our giving. We do not give out of obligation. We do not give uh, because we've been manipulated to give, but it's out of a heart of gratitude, overflowing with generosity because God's been so good to us that we give cheerfully. Uh, we we give... Um, uh, hilariously, some would say, and, the, and where that comes from is uh, our English word "hilarious" is derived from the Greek word that is used here, translated "cheerful." And so, we give with great joy, we give happily, we give voluntarily because of God's goodness and grace to us. Um, uh, there, there are a couple of things here. Uh, Paul says, "So let each one." Uh, that's individual. That is personal. It, it's not so much corporate as it is those who make up the body of Christ individually, as He purposes in His heart, proposed in His heart, or predetermines in His heart. And so, I, I think uh, there's insight there that as we pray and reflect upon God's goodness and grace in our life. And, and what this uh, salvation does in transforming us day by day, uh, our hearts fill with gratitude and they overflow with generosity. Uh, we purpose in our heart and giving is an act of worship. And so uh, part of being that worship is it's a predetermined joy to be able to give ourselves back to the Lord but to give uh, what He has blessed us with back to Him, and, uh, and and the law of the tithe and grace giving all fall into that. But the giving that God approves comes from a heart that is overflowing with cheer, a cheerful heart, a joyful heart. And then verse, verse 8, the generosity promise, uh, as we give according to God's command to us, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And there are a lot of universal terms that are in there, all grace, always, all sufficiency, every good work. Uh, This does not mean that God makes every Christian wealthy in material things, but it does mean that the believer, child of God, who practices grace giving and generosity, will always have what he or she needs when they need it in order to accomplish God's good purpose in their life. So, generous givers depend wholly on the sufficiency of God who is able, period to paragraph, He is able to supply. And so, our giving is an act of trust that as we give generously and oftentimes sacrificially, uh, we are giving, trusting this all-sufficient God uh, to be sufficient for every need that we have in our life. Um, God is able to make all grace abound so that we will have all sufficiency and everything, or He constantly replenishes what we expend in order to continue to meet our needs. <clears throat> So, bottom line, we are blessed to be a blessing through generosity as we live out our faith. Um, We see uh, also the impact in the last paragraph passage here, the the generosity impact. Needs are met, and God is glorified when His people uh, give generously. We not only share God's grace but in verse 9, we get an idea we share in that righteousness that we have in Christ. Uh, Paul reaches back to the Old Testament and quotes Psalm 112 in verse 9 at this point, Uh, but just walk through this. In verse 12, uh, Paul indicates to us that that your giving will meet needs. And, and really, from verse 9 all the way through, uh, he talks about that. Now, look at verse 10. He says, Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the food supply multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. It's a promise of God multiplying our obedience and giving. And he takes our generosity and and grows it far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Verse 11, when you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. I have in my margin of my Bible uh, just a, a principle here that we're enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Um, and so, we are blessed to be a blessing. That's how some... Uh, would say that. And so, God does not bless us uh, by meeting our needs so that uh, we can just hoard up material possessions for ourselves. But His blessing comes uh, in order for us to, in turn, be a blessing to those around us. And that's what these believers are learning and are doing. In verse 12, He said, For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, it does that, it meets their needs, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While, verse 13, through the proof of this ministry, of this gift, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them all and and all men. And so, there is a heart of thanksgiving coming from believers who receive the gift, Uh, They are prayers, um, verse 14, of these believers that may not have much uh, materially when they hear and receive the generosity from these other believers. They are moved with thanksgiving, and they are mobilized in their prayer for God's people. And so, uh, not only does this giving meet needs, it brings glory to God, and it unites God's people. And so, there is a dynamic going here of Gentile believers and Jewish believers and the common bond that is uniting them is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as Jews see Gentiles being generous for a mission and to give to those that are not like them uh, and vice versa, then that is a, a unifying element in God's people. And then verse 15 is one that is familiar. "'Thanks be to God for this, His indescribable gift.'" God's gift of Jesus is the basis for our generosity. Jesus in the New Testament is that grain of wheat that falls into the earth and dies, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. So God, as it were, planted him as a seed and reaped a harvest of his redeemed people. And so now, as children of God, we're called to be imitators of God as beloved children, and we are never more like our Father than when we live a life of generosity. That's
1: excellent. Um, Thanks, Tim, for taking us through that. Uh, In your curriculum, kind of coming right out of that, there will be a time for you to walk uh, your group through the measures, and specifically this week we want to highlight the measure of a student who lives changed um, and so measures moment talks about how a student is always learning and growing to become more like Jesus. That's the goal. We want to reflect the heart of our Father by looking more like the son uh, looking more like Jesus. And so Paul stressed that uh, generous giving is one more way to follow that example who gave the ultimate gift of his own life. Uh, for our sins. Think of that verse, right? uh, That greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Uh, We want to be motivated by that same kind of love to not just lay down our physical life, right? To be willing to die for one another, uh, which I hope that we would be, uh, but also to lay down our living life, so to speak, uh, the possessions that we have, the resources that God gives us, to our time, talent, and treasure, to lay those down for our brothers and sisters. That's how we can grow to look more like Jesus. And so the encouragement is to think about the implications of the gift that Jesus gave all of us, and how it should affect our attitude uh, toward the material blessings and the resources that God has given us. So take that time and and emphasize that measure.
2: Yeah, and both of those things, the the summary and the measure, um, show you, uh, leaders, that there is a lot packed into uh, this uh, passage. And I think um, this particular episode of the podcast just shows um, the the, um, benefit of uh, listening and having this resource because uh, the, the summary of that passage was really, really helpful because there's a lot in it. And then to be able to um, hear the hear the measure and how it connects with the passage um, is very helpful because there is so much packed into these verses. Um, one of the central things talked about in this passage is the heart. And uh, when it comes to giving, uh, there's a question in this curriculum that really pinpoints uh, the heart. And it says, why do you think that God cares about the attitude of your heart when you give? And certainly with Giving Tuesday, with a series on generosity, with uh, a passage like this, uh, there can be uh, this focus. much more on the amount or the sacrificial nature of giving, and that's needed, and we we want that, but certainly to have in the middle of this passage that focus on the heart and asking, why is it that God cares about the heart? And I wouldn't even I would even go further than saying he just cares about it. Um, he cares most about it, um, because, as you know, uh, God doesn't need your money, and but he does want your heart. And so it's a great question to have some good uh, discussion in your group. Uh, I'd say let people struggle with, what is it? Um, uh, that your heart is saying when you are joyful? What is it that your heart is saying when you're not joyful? And, and so really maybe sit on this question and ask some follow-up questions in leading a discussion because you could find uh, some real good conversation coming out of that.
0: It's really good. It's a, it definitely is a r- very rich passage of scripture uh, that has so much there in the, the heart. Is, it's the root, right? Uh, there is the root, and so as you wrap up your lesson, uh, you can uh, be certain to cover the it out, and the, the question's very penetrating and very straight into the point. Uh, how have you been sowing sparingly? And to be able to ask that question and allow the weight of that question sit for a moment, how have you been sowing sparingly? And then the follow-up, where is God calling you to sow, to sow lavishly? So to be able to present those questions and allow them to uh, linger for a while uh, in, the, in the group and for us to be able to wrestle with those internally and allow God to the power of His Holy Spirit, to the power of His Word as you've walked through Scripture, to allow that, spe- that truth to speak into our lives. So be sure to, uh, um, to walk that out and, and give that challenge to your group. And then finally, uh, what is one practical way that you can press into being more generous this week? Uh, So it's just a practical step uh, for us to individually wrestle with and individually to be able to apply. Uh, So it's so important that this be not just a time when we talk about Scripture. It is so important that we do that, and that's why we have a discussion-based curriculum, not just to talk about it, but then, okay, so now how am I going to apply this truth to my life this week? So be sure, leaders, to include these live-it-outs and challenge your people to apply the truth of God's Word to their lives. Now, as we conclude our time together in the podcast, we'll um, move to uh, just a really Quick reminder or just notice that this will be our last podcast for 23. Uh, So the next time you'll be hearing from us will be 2024. Can you believe that? Uh, So we'll uh, be introducing a new sermon series, and Brian's going to give a little information so that you have that knowledge of what's coming after we get through the new year. Don't
1: uh, don't steal my thunder, Matt. I'm 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 excited about this one. So just want to let you guys know, on January the 7th, that Sunday that begins the new year, 2024, we will be introducing a new sermon series. It's called More Like Jesus, and it will uh, take us on a journey through our six Measures or marks that we've identified of uh, discipleship. This is what it means to look like and follow and grow into the image of Jesus. And so, man, I cannot say strongly enough we want you guys to be here on January the 7th. We want you to encourage your group to be here on January the 7th. Like, if you have plans, cancel them. If you have vacations, cancel them. You know, come on, be here on January the 7th. Uh, so that we can launch that new uh, series with some energy. Uh, that uh, series, More Like Jesus, is kind of coming out of a maybe a bigger framework or bigger desire uh, that throughout the year of 2024, uh, we want to emphasize growth in Christ. And uh, we will do that in a number of ways that you'll get to hear about and experience. If you were part of our leadership gathering a number of weeks ago, you already have kind of heard uh, some of these things as we've previewed them, Uh, but really coming out of this desire to see God do a work that can only be described as immeasurably more. Uh, And so underneath that banner, we launched this sermon series on January the 7th, really want you guys to make it a priority to, uh, to join us for that.
0: Good. Well, thank you for sharing that challenge. Thank you, fellas, for um, speaking into the lives of our leaders and helping equip them to better guide their groups. Uh, We are looking forward to Sunday, and we look forward to seeing you then.